Welcome to the Matt Watch That Podcast, the place for reviews, rants, and randomness. I'm your host, Matt Sarosky, filmmaker, film fan. Each episode, I'm going to watch a movie or TV pilot that I probably should have seen but never got around to. It could be a recent favorite, critic's choice, or cult classic. Everyone can join in on the fun. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what I should see next, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Before we start, I was in Cancun, Mexico, and had two of my favorite experiences in life, both involving turtles. Let me explain before you jump to any conclusions. One night outside of the hotel I was staying at, a huge-ass turtle came upon shore and started digging in the sand. And one of the employees there explained, oh, she's making a, a, a nest for her eggs. And I'm like, so we're going to see this thing give birth right now? He's like, yeah, it, it might take a couple hours because, you know, they've just got those two little fins to dig out the sand. And I was like, well, can, can I go out there and help move this thing along? But it was really an interesting experience just seeing nature do its thing. And then a couple nights later, I had the opportunity to actually release little baby turtles. And the way you do this is you place them on the dry sand because that will imprint in their mind. So when they're ready to come back and lay their own eggs, this will be the spot they return to or something like that. So I placed them on the dry sand and their flippers start working. They're moving towards the wet sand. And I'm looking out to the Gulf of Mexico, and I see this little wave start crash onto the shore. And the water starts rushing toward us. And I'm like, oh no, this isn't good. And it just smashes into these little turtles, and they get pushed back like 10, 15 feet. But they get right back up, and they start going again. Flippers, flipping. They get a little further. Another surge of water. Whoosh! Pushes them 10, 15 feet back again. I'm like, this is torturous to watch. Are they ever going to make it into this water? So they eventually did, but it was really a fun experience holding these turtles, setting them off on their life's journey. On to the main attraction. Each review will end with a ranking out of five stars. One star is skip it. Two stars watch at your own risk. Three stars standard fare. Four stars worth checking out and five stars must see. Now, if I give a title five stars, it doesn't mean I'm comparing it to Casablanca, Jaws, or Seinfeld. I rank titles based on other movies or TV series in that genre and at that time period. So let's jump into it. These are my ruminations and observations of the movie Monkey Shines from 1988. So how'd I miss it? I distinctively remember being in Blockbuster Video and passing by this title on the shelves and being freaked out by the box cover artwork. First off, the Jolly Chimp is a creepy toy on its own. Who is this for? 
I've never heard any child in history say, Mummy, Daddy, can you buy me the screeching monkey toy that bangs cymbals together? Add to that the bug eyes and the Cheshire cat smile. I wouldn't even make eye contact with it. It was directed by George A. Romero, who helmed Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, and other dead movies, as well as Creepshow. The screenplay was written by the director and based on the novel of the same name by Michael Stewart. The movie starts out with a title card explaining that the Helping Hands program at Boston University trains capuchin monkeys to assist the disabled. It also mentions that some sequences may appear traumatic, but no monkey was harmed in any way. Never a good sign when you have to explain that up front. We meet Alan Mann, a strapping young man, the type that stretches naked, takes jogs with bricks in his backpack. You can always spot them at the gym. He's portrayed by Jason Baghe, who was mostly a television actor. He had roles in Melrose Place, Everwood, Californication, and Chicago PD, Fire, and Med. While out on a run, he gets spooked by a barking German shepherd and jumps into the street, ending up getting hit by the Scooby-Doo van. He's immediately brought to the hospital and operated on. The doctor who saved his life, John Wiseman, is played by Stanley Tucci, known for Spotlight, Julie and Julia, and was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role for The Lovely Bones. As he returns home, Alan's mother throws a celebration and introduces Dr. Wiseman to the attendees. Professor Fry approaches and asks the doctor if Alan will be able to continue his studies as a lawyer. He responds physically yes, but only if he wants to. Alan's mother hires an overbearing live-in nurse, Marianne Hodges, to assist him. She's acted by Christine Forrest, wife of director George A. Romero, who appeared in Dawn of the Dead, Creepshow, and Bruiser. His girlfriend, Linda, apologizes for not visiting him in the hospital. There's an awkwardness between them. He has a sense that she's going to dump him. She calls Jeffrey, his former roommate and best friend, to ask where he is. Jeffrey is a research scientist who works at a chem lab in experimental medicine. He's made a formulation based on human memory cells and been injecting one of his capuchin monkeys in hopes that it gains more intelligence. He's under pressure from the head of the department, Dean Burbage, that the program starts showing results. Jeffrey Fisher is portrayed by John Pankow, known for Batteries Not Included, Episodes, and of course, Mad About You as Cousin Ira. After Alan attempts suicide and diagnosed with clinical depression syndrome, Jeffrey meets up with Melanie Parker, who specializes in training capuchin monkeys as service animals exclusively for quadriplegics. Melanie Parker is performed by Kate McNeil of The House on Sorority Row and Sudden Death Fame. When Jeffrey suggests to her that Alan would be a terrific candidate for her program, she informs him that all of her monkeys are already assigned to homes. He says that he would be willing to donate one of his lab monkeys for her to train. She agrees, and after a while under her care, Jeffrey and Melanie present the monkey, now dubbed Ella, to Alan. She teaches him how to work with the monkey, and Ella proves to be very beneficial to him. A bond starts to form between the two, with their emotions starting to reflect each other's moods, to the point where Alan believes that he and Ella are linked telepathically. Here's a quote without context. Every three days that I stay awake, I gain 24 hours. That's 122 days every year. So even if I die at 50, I will have lived 65 years. Monkey Shines was an interesting movie. 
It has many of the trademarks of the legendary director, social commentary mixed with tension and bits of comedy. Not surprisingly, the shots were well-framed, camera moves were appropriate. I think it's a more accurate depiction of the emotions and struggles that people who have experienced paralyzation or loss of limbs go through. You could really sense Alan's frustration and depression. Now, I really like animals, but I've always been a little creeped out by monkeys. Sure, they could be very entertaining, but it doesn't take much to make them appear scary. Just do a close-up of their faces and have them screech. And this little monkey was pretty good. In the opening credits, the camera zooms into the main title, similar to how the camera zooms into the chapter titles in Stranger Things. Inevitable Stranger Things reference. There we go. I'm almost certain this was an homage by the Duffers, who also used footage from Day of the Dead in Season 3. I'll be honest, I'm glad I watched this movie, but I totally confused it with 12 Monkeys, because I was waiting for Bruce Willis to show up. Maybe I need to see that one too. Alphonse! Alphonse! Add that to the list. This is something to look out for. The supporting cast includes Janine Turner, Joyce Van Patten, and Steven Root of Dodgeball and Office Space fame. It's my stapler. Now for a little trivial trivia. Frank Weller, noted voice actor of animated series The Real Ghostbusters, G.I. Joe, The Jetsons, Animaniacs, Transformers, and Inspector Gadget, contributed monkey noises to the film. The cinematography was captured by James A. Contener, whose filmography includes Miami Vice, Nighthawks, and Jaws 3D, and he should be thanked for that one. He transitioned to director and has had a successful career working on episodes of Angel, Charmed, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Star Trek Enterprise. It was edited by Pasquale Bubba, which is now my favorite surname, who worked on Heat, Casino, Gangs of New York, and Tales from the Crypt. The score was composed by David Shire, who worked on the music for Short Circuit, Zodiac, and The Taking of Pelham 123, the good version with Walter Matthau and Robert Shaw. The soundtrack featured songs by Peggy Lee, including Ain't We Got Fun, That's All, and The Glory of Love. Fun fact, she co-wrote the music for Lady and the Tramp and voiced Darling, Sai, Am, and Peg. The runtime is 1 hour 53 minutes. It had a budget of $7 million and only grossed $5.3 million at the box office. I give it 3.5 out of 5 stars. I was entertained throughout. It had enough chills and plot turns to keep me interested. If you've seen Monkey Shines and have opinions on the movie, let me know what you think using the hashtag MattWatchThat. Moving right along, each episode, I'm going to post clips that I think people should watch. It could be movie trailers, music videos, interviews, or something completely random. Search for my YouTube page and there will be a playlist called Matt Watch That Playback. I came across a neat little video called How Animal Sounds Are Made for Movies and Television. Now, the curtain has been pulled back regarding how films are made, but for the uninitiated, when you're recording on a movie set, sometimes the environment creates unwanted sounds, like planes passing by or a furnace lighting up and the filmmakers need to work in post-production to correct these faults. When a character's line needs to be re-recorded, they bring back the actors into the studio and do a process called ADR, which stands for Automated Dialogue Replacement. Write that down, there'll be a test. The actors stand in front of a large screen which projects the movie, and they have to best match their lines with the image on screen. 
This is the way they get a clean recording of those lines. That's why in movies you'll see sometimes phantom mouth movement, because it doesn't always match up. Similarly, sometimes sounds need to be replaced. Feet walking on hardwood, the squeaking hinge of a door opening. This is where the Foley artist comes in. It's named after Jack Foley, who developed the sound effects technique almost a hundred years ago in the late 1920s. And many of the methods are still being used today, though most have been replaced by digital sounds. There are two famous scenes that I can think of where the technique is used on screen. The first is in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where members of the troop skip along and create the sound of horses galloping by taking coconut halves and hitting them against each other. In the movie Annie, Oliver Warbucks goes into Bert Haley's radio show to announce a reward to find her parents. A Foley artist provides the sound effects of a door slamming, people walking into the studio, etc. By the way, the actor playing that role was Ray Bolger, most famous for the role of the Scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz. Write that down, there'll be a test. So, this video shows how sounds are created for animals, which include stomping on the ground, scratching, wings fluttering. This is the type of job that I would say to myself, I can't believe I'm getting paid for this. It looks like a really fun way to spend your day. The clip is available in the Matt Watch That Playback playlist on YouTube. Check it out. Now it's time for the recommendation. Yes, that's the word recommendation with Matt in the middle. I'm going to end each podcast with my own recommendation of a movie or TV series. Today I'm talking about Zootopia. Keeping with the animal theme. Now, for a while, I was disappointed with Disney animation because they seemed to focus on making subpar movies like Brother Bear, Home on the Range, and Chicken Little, and direct-to-video sequels 101 Dalmatians 2, Bambi 2, Cinderella 2, Lion King 2, Tarzan 2. How about it's a bit too much? But starting in 2012 with the release of Wreck-It Ralph, the quality of their output improved greatly. I know the creative forces behind Pixar were helping assist Disney Animation, and it shows. The characters were more developed, the storylines were more original, and the animation was top-notch. Obviously, Frozen made a big splash at the box office, and everyone was singing Let It Go thanks to Adele Dazeem. Next was Big Hero 6, which was one of my favorite superhero movies. I'm not sure how faithful it is to the Marvel Comics characters, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Then you had Zootopia. It's basically an animated Chinatown. Very brave choice for the filmmakers. But it's completely accessible to children, its main audience. The story is about Judy Hopps, who fulfills her childhood dream of becoming a cop, but finds that making her way through the ranks of the police force is tough work for the first rabbit to do so. When she takes a case involving a missing otter, it leads to partnering with conman fox Nick Wilde, and they uncover a larger crime syndicate at play. My favorite part of the movie is DMV employee Flash, who is a sloth. I can't tell you how many times I've mimicked his slow laughter. That's such a great piece of animation. As I said, the movie is geared toward children, but older members of the family will be able to enjoy it as well. It's not like watching Barney the Dinosaur or Teletubbies. You won't want to blow your face off from watching it. The movie is clever, the animation is beautiful made over a billion at the box office, and won Best Animated Feature Film of the Year at the 2017 Academy Awards. With Moana and the sequels to Wreck-It Ralph and Frozen, Disney has been on a roll. 
I haven't seen Raya and the Last Dragon or Encanto, but they look great. Hit me up on social media with the hashtag MattWatchThat to let me know how they are. That's all for this edition of Matt Watch That. Thanks for listening to me babble. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what movie or TV pilot I should see, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Head over to MattSarosky.com for the latest news and updates, and come back next time for all the reviews, rants, and random made over a billion dollars at the box office and won best animated feature film of the year at the 19 Ooh. he transitioned to director and had a successful career working on episodes of angel charmed buffy the vampire slater slater that's the ac slater spinoff I was disappointed with Disney animation because they seem to focus on making subpar movies like Bear Brother. (laughs) Bear Brother. Completely different story, Matt.